Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Downtown Harbor Church. I'm Adam. I'm the lead communicator here. Thanks for joining us for our 1030 service today on this extremely chilly day in South Florida. Got my leather jacket on. In honor of that, they tell me I look like Jack Reacher. I have no idea who that is. I really don't. But they, they tell me that I should know who that is, but I don't know who that is. But I'm so glad that you decided to join us here as we kick off this kind of three-week talk conversation series, whatever you want to call it, called Why Christmas. And what we're going to do in the next couple of weeks as we lead up to Christmas Eve is we are going to talk about just that, Christmas. We're going to have a conversation about this time of year and why we do what we do, why we would gather with those closest to us at this time of year, why we put up decorations, why we exchange presents, why we share parties with each other, why we actually do this thing called Christmas. And you know, dare I say, there are some of us who are way more into Christmas than others. And you might be one of those people who is crazy Christmas. I happen to be somebody who's not necessarily that crazy Christmas, right? Like, I don't know if you know about this new app called Marco Polo. It's a new app, but it, maybe it's kind of new to me, somebody told me. But it's basically this like video walkie-talkie app where you can interact with people and some of it in a group format. And me and some of my friends, we have this like group where we all kind of interact together. And some of them are just wild about Christmas. They're just showing each other their Christmas decorations. They're singing Christmas carols back and forth, finish, finishing each other's lines. And I'm showing them my house and I got a two and a half foot tree and a crappy Santa from Home Goods sitting on a shelf. I mean, that's all I got because I'm not necessarily that into it. But a lot of people love this time of year and a lot of people are really into Christmas. But I thought as we kind of kicked off today, as in the spirit of Christmas, I would just tell you a couple of things about this particular time of year that I do love, that I do like, just so you can get an insight or a perspective to my life about why I love this time of year. First of all, let me put the first one up. This is one of the things I love about Christmas. If you have not been here during Christmas time, let me just say you're missing out, right? This is the Magic Kingdom at Walt Disney World. It basically transforms overnight around November 2nd from Halloween to Christmas, and they know what they're doing to soak up every dime of your money, right? Because right after they show you this and light this puppy up, you are going straight to a gift shop with a credit card. Trust me, I've been there, and if you know what I'm talking about, you might have done the same thing. I love it, right? Magic Kingdom especially as they light that castle up, is something I love this time of year. One of the things that Caitlin and I do, especially because we're from Southeast Michigan, is we've gone home for the past 10 years to celebrate Christmas. And this week will be no different. We'll travel home Friday morning, and we will come back Saturday so we can be home in time for DHC next Sunday. But one of the things we've done with our family and friends um, from our hometown every year is throwing a big family party. In fact, this is our 10th annual party that we're going to throw, and we have just had the best time because they're people that we don't get to see all the time anymore because we decided to move away and relocate to South Florida. So we throw this big bash and get together with these people once a year, and it's a really fun time. It's one of my favorite memories of Christmas every single year. And then since the company that I just put on the screen, the Walt Disney Company, made a big purchase um, back in 2013, right? They acquired a company called Lucasfilm. If you know anything about that, you know that a huge night is this Thursday night as Star Wars The Last Jedi premieres, which is really exciting. So every year, for the past number of years, we've had the opportunity to attend a brand new Star Wars movie right at the Christmas time of year, right? And here's up me and some friends, and Kate, that's not me, right? That's my wife, Caitlin, and some friends last year, and Chewbacca in a really bad costume that looks like Harry and the Hendersons. But anyway, regardless, they were trying. This was last year, right outside the theater after we saw the new 
Star Wars film, but it's become just something that we do every year, and those are just some things that we do around Christmas. So I started to ask myself a question. I started to ask myself a question about Christmas. And here was the question. Why this? Why do we stop and pause? Why do we stop and hang out with each other or people that we might not hang out with regularly throughout the year? Why do we engage and interact with people in a different way this time of year? Why do we put up trees and decorate? Why do we say and put up signs that we might not even know what they mean, like Jesus is the reason for the season? Like we got it at Walmart for a buck ninety-nine on clearance the day after Christmas a couple years ago, and it looked nice, so we put it up. Why do we do that? Do we actually know why we do what we do. Furthermore, because we wanted to take this question to another level, I wanted to ask different questions related to just why Christmas. And here's another question I wanted to ask. Why then do we stop to remember? Because some of us throughout this time of year just have more remembrance or more reflection. We might take time out to do different things with our family and friends. And maybe you're of you know, the mentality that you don't take more time out to reflect or remember. Maybe you're just going through the motions and you're shopping and you're partying and you're eating and you're having a good time and you haven't necessarily stopped to remember. And maybe you need to take more time to do that. But the question is, even if you do or you need to take more time to do so, here's the question. Why do we stop to remember? Why do we take time to think about these events, to pause, to spend more time with those that we care about? And I think the answer is simple, yet it's complicated. And today I'm going to try to unpack it step by step so that we might be able to understand this time of year at just a little more of a detailed level. And here's what I believe is the simple yet complex answer. You stop to remember in your life, you stop to remember miracles that changed the world. We just do. If there was an event as miraculous as the one that surrounds Christmas that happened, we just go ahead and we stop to remember those points in time, those miracles that actually changed humanity, that changed the earth as we know it, that changed the future of the world. We stop and we remember those moments. But here's just what I want you to know. To start to understand how to remember, to start to understand why we remember, we have to do something. We have to go back. To start, we have to go back. What does that mean? Adam, I, I, I'm with you. I'm tracking with you about Christmas, but what does that mean? To start, we have to go back. Well, I firmly believe to understand why we stop and remember this time of year and remember Christmas, we have to go back to the beginning, to the very, very beginning of creation to the very, very beginning of mankind, to the very beginning of all things when God created the world and everything in it. And if you joined us in our last couple of weeks for our series around Thanksgiving, which was centered around forgiveness, thanks, but no thanks, you know that last week we talked about the very creation of mankind and how God gave them very specific instructions and very specific rules of what to do and how to live. And then they broke those rules and evil and sickness and disease and things that weren't meant to be a part of this world came in to this broken world. And man, actually, in that moment, messed things up. And then 
throughout the entire Old Testament, right? Let me stop for a second. See, the Bible, God's inspired word, actually consists of two different parts, the Old Testament and then the New Testament. And what happened after man fell from God and man disobeyed God is God spent the entire Old Testament in one big story chasing after his people. He spent the entire Old Testament chasing after those who've broken his law, who've said, God, I know you've told me to live a certain way, but I'm going to live this way. I'm going to do something different. God spent that entire Old Testament, one big story, chasing after his creation because he loved them so much. He was chasing after them to restore something. He was chasing after them to restore the relationship that was broken. He cared about his creation, human beings more than anything, so much that he chased after them with everything he had for hundreds and thousands of years to bring them back into right relationship with him. He tried everything. And his last attempt, his latest attempt, peppered throughout the Old Testament, was the law. And what he said to people was, he said, hey, I'm going to give you some laws to follow. And when you follow these laws, you ancient people who I have said will be my descendants, when you follow these laws, you will be put into right relationship with me. When you follow these laws related to behavior, and when you break them, you need to participate in sacrifices and rituals. And when you do that, then you will be closer to me. Then we can be in right relationship again, just as we were at the beginning of creation. But there was a problem. Those laws were almost unattainable for man, and man didn't want to follow them either. Man thwarted God's efforts again. They couldn't measure up, and furthermore, those who thought they could became obsessed with power and greed, and the religious leaders of the time who wanted to follow those laws to the T and enforce those laws to other people became greedy and power-hungry, and they ruled over the working class. They controlled the text. They controlled the information. They controlled the power. And sure enough, they, you know, kind of buffed up their chest and they thought they were all powerful based on these laws. Money in this time because of this had become more important than morality. How you treat people and how you live your life, money had become more important than this because man thwarted God's efforts. These laws necessarily weren't bad, but man thwarted their efforts and they became corrupt. The people who were enforcing these laws, the religious people of the time, they became corrupt and corruption had replaced compassion. In fact, the very people who God said were important to him were not important to the people of power the religious scholars and leaders of the time, right? Well, let me just kind of make an aside for a second. I want to kind of take you down a journey because you might be going, well, God's created these laws. Is he some kind of tyrant or dictator? No, we don't believe that. We just believe he did everything he could to chase after the people who broke what he said was true and right and wanted a relationship with them. And you know something? If you're a parent, you understand this. If you're a parent, you understand this. Furthermore, don't miss this. Don't check out if you're not a parent. If you're not a parent, you understand this because you had parents who understood this. Maybe you had even one parent 
who understood this, who no matter what they did, wanted to express to you or you wanted to express to your kids, I don't know what to do, but I have no idea how to show you how much I love you. I have no idea how to show you how much I care about you. I know that I've put things in place in your life, maybe rules and regulations, and you're laying in bed at night with your eyes glazed over thinking that I exist to ruin your life, but that is not it at all. But I actually want to pursue after you with everything I have because I'm your parent and I love you. I have no idea how to show it to you, but I can't wait to show you how much I love you, what to do in your life and what not to do so that you might be successful, so that you might lead a good and wholesome life, that you might go down the right path. Parents feel that way. I know mine did. Sometimes they were right, sometimes they were wrong, but they always had my best interests at heart. And if you're a parent, you probably feel the same way, which is why it's easy to relate to how God felt when his creation went the other way and he was trying to bring them back into right relationship with God. Well, after a long time had passed, hundreds and thousands of years, and God had been at this, he finally kind of threw his hands in the air, and that's the miracle that we celebrate around this time of year because of what he did. But he didn't throw his hands in the air because this was the plan for all time in some miraculous way that we don't understand because God in this moment, after creation had been away from him for so long, decided the only way that creation was actually going to be made right again with him and to be put into right relationship again with him was if he decided to come to earth in human form and stand among us. We've talked about here at Downtown Harbor Church how we just believe in this idea of the Trinity that since the beginning and in the end, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit have been there since the beginning and will be there in the end. They are one. And in this moment, when the time was perfect, when nothing could be more perfect, God thought to himself, you know what? I cannot do this anymore from afar. I need to show creation, humanity, how much I love them by coming and standing amongst them. And that is when God showed up by sending Jesus. And that's the miracle that we sit around and remember this time of year. That's the miracle that we sit around and spend more time with each other because of this time of year. This is, don't miss this, the reason that we remember and this is confirmed in the New Testament. In the book of Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, I love what it says here. This is so key. It says, but when the set time had fully come, that's so key for us to understand. When the set time had fully come, and don't miss this. This is so key because God had tried it all, and now he had been silent for years, and the set time was here. God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Don't miss this. I'm going to go back. Born of a woman, born under the law. One of the latest things that God had tried to bring his creation back into right relationship with him to redeem those under the law, should they believe in him, that we might receive adoption to sonship. God came in the form of Jesus, the son to stand among us 
And God did something in that moment. Jesus did something that the law could not do. People broke the law. They couldn't measure up. They couldn't get it all straight. And furthermore, those who were in power blasphemed the law in the face of people. But God did something. When he showed up in the form of Jesus, God wanted to move individuals into a personal relationship with himself, which is why Jesus came to earth. And it was a miracle. And this was set up, and God set this up in a way that is almost unbelievable, which is why it's controversial, because it should probably never have happened, but it did. And he used two people to get it done. He used a woman by the name of Mary, right, who was a virgin, and then she was engaged to a man named Joseph, who was a carpenter, right? And something amazing was about to happen through these two individuals, and it's documented in the scripture, and it's so clear and it's so key, but so often what we do is we gloss over it. And we've heard this before, so we don't take the time to remember that these are real people and real events and historical events. We tend to think of them as plastic figurines on somebody's yard that light up. And the truth is, the fact of the matter is, they're much more than that. So if you have a scripture You can open it to the book of Matthew chapter 1 if you want to. If not, you can always look on any mobile device or it will be on our screens as always. Matthew chapter 1 verses 18 through 25, it details and it outlines these events as Jesus was about to come to earth. God was about to come and stand with us. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. I've already outlined that. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the what? Holy Spirit, a miracle, part of the Holy Trinity. Now, if you're like me and you're Joseph and you hear this, you go, I'm sorry? You're, what's... All right, so we haven't done anything. So who'd you do it with? Is the mailman around? What's going on? Like, I mean, who, what's going, I mean, I would, if it's not mine, whose is it? Because I know that I've kept myself pure and you said you have, but what's going on? I, I gone, like I'd be gone, right? I, you, as you'd probably be gone, okay? I'd be gone. But that's what it says. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet he did not want to expose her to the public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. I don't understand these events. I don't necessarily believe in these events. I don't believe you. I'm going to divorce you, but I'm not going to expose you. I'm going to do it quietly. But after he had considered this, another miracle, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, Son of David. Now, this is important. Those of us who've been around church for any length of time might remember that the Messiah, Jesus coming to earth, had been prophesied by prophets throughout the Old Testament. And one of the prophets said, and you can research this and study this. It's so interesting to think about this. One of the prophets said is that Jesus, the Messiah, will come from the house and the line of David. David was a king of Israel back in the day, and we're going to talk about him come next year. But it's so important to realize that Joseph came from the house and line of David. The prophecies were coming true. Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from 
the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him, this is so key, Emmanuel, which means God with us. For hundreds and thousands of years, God tried to bring man into right relationship with him, and he knew that the only way that it was going to eventually happen, the only way that people were going to be made right with him was if he came to stand with us, God with us us. Should we say yes to him? We are made right with God the Father because he chose to come here and stand with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. Scripture says, but he did not consummate their marriage until after she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name, what? Jesus. He gave him the name Jesus. God, in a miracle, coming to earth to stand with us, to prove that he is who he said that he was, that he is God, and he wants a right relationship with us. So the question is, why do we take time to remember this? Why do we take time this time of year to sit around with others and celebrate and to maybe have a little too much fun at a work party, and to go to a Winterfest boat parade, and to exchange gifts with each other. Why do we take time to remember this? Because the Messiah had come. And let me tell you something, gang. Here's what's so important to understand about this. About 4,000 years ago, right, approximately, God had made a promise to a group of people through a man named Abraham, who we're also going to talk about come 2018. God made a promise that his descendants were his chosen people and would be blessed. And then about a couple thousand years later, Jesus the Messiah had come to earth as prophesied, as promised, to make humanity right with God should they accept Jesus into their life. And about some 2,000 some odd years later, we're still sitting here talking talking about it. That's why this is worth remembering. That's why we do this, because do you know the number of things that have happened in the last 2,000 years? A lot of things. And you know how many of those things we're not talking about? Most of them. And you know how many of those people have died and we're not talking about them? Most of them. But why are we still sitting around here talking about a lowly Jewish baby who was born in the armpit of the Middle East? Because he was the Messiah. And he proved when he lived on this earth and then died that he was who he said that he was. And you know, for man, human beings for centuries, dare I say millennia, they were trying to follow the law and to get right with God, and they asked themselves this question a lot. Hey, where do I stand with God? I'm trying to get to him. I'm trying to get close to him, but I just can't get there. Where do I stand with God? And the real question is, because we would never know the answer if he hadn't come to earth, how would we know where we stood with God if he had not come to stand with us? We wouldn't. Because he finally came to stand with us and said, hey, if you believe that I am Jesus the Messiah, who I say that I am, then you will be made right with God the Father. 
So just an aside, because I feel like it's just something we should do for anybody in this room or anybody listening online who can hear my voice. If you've never done that, and you've never said yes to believing that Jesus is who he said that he was, you're probably asking the same question that people asked for hundreds and thousands of years. Where do I stand with God? Where do I stand with God the Father? So I just believe because I made that decision in my life that you should say yes to believing that Jesus is who he said that he was. So you know exactly where you stand with God. You know that you've been made right with God, that the old law has gone away, gone away and that you are made right. Should you say yes? That's why Christmas. That's the reason for Christmas. Not all the hustle and bustle, not the stores, not the parties, even though you're all going to do that and it's all going to be part of life. That's why Christmas. That's why we remember. That's why we take time to spend time with people we might not during this time of year. That's why we take time to exchange gifts with people this time of year, right? Because the very greatest love ever known had come to earth. The greatest love ever known came to earth. So we ask the question, why we remember? Why Christmas? Why do we remember? This, that is worth remembering. Because these events that surround this time of year changed humanity. Because these events changed every single thing that we know and think about. And because of this one event, every single thing is different. And because Jesus came to earth, claimed to be the Messiah, and then said, I know you're not going to believe me until I go and die and come back to life. And he did. Because of those events, my life is different. Every single day. And those of you who've said yes to believing that Jesus is who he said that he was, you know that your life is different because of it. You are made right with God. You walk with confidence regardless of your mess, regardless of your lows, regardless of your highs. You are made right with God. And this is the time of year that we celebrate that he came to a broken world in human form as the Savior, as the Messiah, claiming to be God so that we could live. That's worth remembering. So maybe this year you just need to take a little bit more time to think and dwell and remember. Maybe you go through the motions and you just need to hit pause. Maybe you need to implement a new tradition with your family or your friends as you think about this and remember this, maybe more than you ever have. So every week here at Downtown Harbor Church, we put a word on the screen, right? We put a word up there that you can take home and put into practice on Monday based on what you've heard on Sunday. And here is the word. So what's the practical? So today, what's the practical here at Downtown Harbor Church? What do we take away from this? And what do we put into practice tomorrow? Well, I just believe this. I believe that if you look at the Jesus movement, and if you look at actually why Jesus came to earth, it was rooted in one thing. And if you've been around here for any length of time, you've heard me say this over and over again, and you have one promise about this next statement that I'm gonna to continue to say it. Because the Jesus movement is rooted in love. It's rooted in us laying down our life for someone else, for other people, for us sacrificing based on his sacrifice for us. We have to understand something. That love just doesn't come out of the air. 
that love just doesn't come out of nowhere. In the book of 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, it says this. We love because he first loved us. Who do you need to love? What do you need to love? What do you need to do, specifically this Christmas season, to understand that he came to earth in the greatest love ever known with skin on it, the Savior, the Messiah, who said, I've been trying for forever to be in right relationship with human beings, and I know the only way to do it is for me to come and stand with you. And then they rejected him. Then they called him a liar and a cheat and then put him on a cross and killed him. And he goes, don't worry, I'm coming back. And he did, proving that he was who he said that he was, all rooted in love. So spread the love. Spread that joy. Take time to remember this Christmas season because God had to be with us so we could know he was for us. That's how much he loved his creation. More than any love you've ever known, more than your parents have loved you, more than you love your children, more than you love your spouse or vice versa, this is the greatest love that's ever been known. And it's hard for us to wrap our mind around it, but it's true. He loved us so much that he came to be amongst us, to show us the greatest love of all. Let me pray. Father, Thank you so much for who you are and what you do. God, we love you and we thank you. Jesus, I just pray, as we talked about earlier, that if anybody in this room or who can hear my voice has not said yes to you yet, that they would just open their heart and that they would say in their heart, repeat after me just right now, Lord Jesus, come into my life. I invite you into my heart and my life. And God, I want to follow after you and your teachings because they are rooted in the greatest love of all. And God, we know that you are hearing and answering that prayer. Lord, would you please surround us this season with your grace and your mercy. Allow us to stop and remember. Allow us to stop and reflect. Allow us to stop and think about these events and why they're so important and how big and deep this miracle really is. Lord God, we love you and we thank you. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name.